Good morning, everybody. It's a joy to be here with you all this morning. Um, if you did not get a bulletin, raise your hand, and one of the ushers will bring you a bulletin so you get a handout to go with this morning. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. Will you pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for this morning. I think of the song that we just sang and one of my earliest childhood memories is singing that song at church, on retreats, and just thinking about how great you are, Lord. We serve a great God and we're thankful that you've called us to be your people. I pray, Lord, that you would just work mightily in our hearts this morning. Teach us from your holy word. And I pray that as we study your word, it would just pour out into the way in which we live. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A little over a year ago, we, we had our fourth child, Emily. And, and when you have four children, you can no longer fit into a normal car, ever. It has to be a car that holds more than two rows. Right, Louises? Amen. You know. Gloucesterferos, no. You, you, you have to have a, a bigger car, so we... I, I am the car research guy. I researched. I wanted to find the best car I could, and I wanted to get the best deal because I'm cheap. And so I, I, I studied, and I looked, and I tried to find the best car I possibly could, and I felt like I did. And, and then it still had several miles left on the warranty, which is a good thing, right? Um, and then uh, on top of it, we got an extended warranty through the credit union that made it so that I'm covered to about 100,000 miles, which makes me very happy. And so when my wife tries to start the car and it does not start, I'm concerned, but we go and we take it to the dealership because we're still under warranty. This is awesome. So thankful. I take it there and they say, your fuel pump is out. Fuel pump should never go out on a car at this point, but it's out and it's under your warranty, you're good because that would be like $1,500 if it wasn't under warranty. And I'm like, praise the Lord, this is wonderful, right? And and it's a good thing. And so we, they take it all apart at the dealer and uh, they call me and and they say, there's a problem. We took it all apart and we pulled out the fuel pump and apparently before you purchased the car there was a they hit something on the bottom of the car which broke the fuel pump and so they put a new fuel pump in that was a cheap aftermarket fuel pump and so it's not covered under warranty I said what about my extended warranty no doesn't go in until our warranty's done so you have to pay the $1,500 for the fuel pump but we'll give you a really good deal we'll give you the best deal we possibly can and I just called Tosh. I'm like, ah, this is horrible. 
felt like we did so much research to find the right thing and to have the best deal and to have the warranty and it's not going to go wrong and we're, we're safe. And now we have to pay all this money for a fuel pump that I'll never see ever in my life. <laughs> right? If you're going to spend 1500 bucks on your car, you want it to either look cool or sound cool. Like, you don't, you don't want a fuel pump that you're never going to see. And, and they called and they said, hey, we gave you the best deal we possibly could. It's only going to be $1,485. <laughs> and like, why even say that? Why get my hopes up at all? But the bottom line is I couldn't take the car from the dealership because I know they love me so much that they want to give me good deals. Because it's already taken apart. These are our circumstances. I have to have fuel. The car doesn't move, move without fuel. It has to have fuel to go anywhere. It's useless to me without a fuel pump. One of the most impacting sections of, of a book that I've read came from John Piper's book called Let the Nations Be Glad. And he talks about worship being both the fuel and the goal of missions. Worship is both the fuel and the goal of missions. Speaking of it being the fuel of missions, he says, passion, passion for God and worship precedes the offer of God in preaching. You can't commend what you do not cherish. Missionaries will never call out, let the nations be glad if they cannot say from the heart, I rejoice in the Lord, I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Missions begins and ends in worship. He went on and he says a little bit later, where passion or fuel for God is weak, zeal for missions will be weak. Churches that are not centered on the exaltation of the majesty of the beauty of God will scarcely kindle a fervent desire to Declare his glory among the nations. There must be fuel. For missions, worship is the fuel. You love Christ. You worship Christ. You want others to worship Christ. You want others to know Christ. It fuels you. It makes you desire to go or desire to send or desire to pray or desire to preach. Or go outside of your comfort zone to minister the gospel to someone at work or someone in your neighborhood or at a family function. You, you desire for people to know Christ and to worship Christ and you love Christ and you want to obey Christ. You want to shine brightly for him and so worship is the fuel of what makes that happen. In the same way, doctrine is the fuel that has the impact on the way in which we live. In our section here in Ephesians chapter 4, he begins here, we'll look at the first three verses. Paul says, I, therefore, therefore, as a result of all that we have been going over, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I therefore, as a result of what we've looked at, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, I I beseech you, I plead with you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. The walking worthy of the calling is a result of this is what God has done in you. This is what God has done in your life. As a result of what God has done in your life, have it fuel. This is how you will live. This is the way in which you will walk. This is how you will make decisions. Think about the way in which you have been called. Think about what God has done in your life and have that fuel. All that takes place in your life. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, we've seen what the calling is in which we were called. This great salvation in which we have. It's awesome to study the first three chapters of Ephesians because there's just doctrine after doctrine after doctrine. There's just these golden nuggets after nuggets after nuggets of being able to see this is what God has done for us. Let's look at some of them as 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 I have there on your handout. Brothers and sisters, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. May that fuel you. You have been blessed with every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has not withheld one good thing from you, but rather has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God chose us before the foundations of the world, he says in the next verse, Ephesians 1.4. And so we read this and we say, okay, so before he ever created this world, before he ever created the earth, he knew me and he chose me. Awesome thing to think about. Sovereignty of our God. God determined that we would be holy and without blame, Ephesians 1.4. He determined this. Holy. Sins removed. Without blame. I pray that's an encouragement to you as it is for me. God determined that he would do that in my life. God predestined us to adoption as sons, Ephesians 1.5. It's just... Sweet, sweet doctrine after doctrine. He predestined that you would be adopted into his family. God has made us accepted through Christ, the beloved, Ephesians 1.6. He's made us accepted. God redeemed us through the blood of Christ. He purchased us. The precious blood of Christ spilled for us as Christ hung up on the cross and he redeemed us. He purchased us for himself. Ephesians 1.7 God has given us forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Again, Ephesians 1.7 Forgiveness of sins. We talk about these doctrines, but may they not just 
come in one ear and go out the other. You are forgiven and I am forgiven of every sin that we have ever committed or ever will commit. The very sins that would make it so that you would spend eternity in hell, apart from Christ, apart from his glory, and instead spend eternity in the joy of the Lord in heaven, where there's no need for the sun because he shines in all of his brilliance, has been given to you the forgiveness of sins. He has made a way for whatever it is that you have done in the course of the entirety of your life, hurled into the depths of the sea, remembered no more. God has made the riches of his grace abound towards us. Ephesians 1.8. This is just the first eight verses of Ephesians chapter 1, right? There is the riches of his grace that has just abounded towards us. It just keeps flowing. Grace, grace, it keeps flowing. He's made known to us the mystery of his will, Ephesians 1.9. God sealed us with his Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our eternal inheritance, Ephesians 1.13-14. Sealed. God made us alive when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. For God saved us through his Through grace, by faith, it was not of ourselves so that we can never boast. It was all the gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. These doctrines are so weighty for us. If you have been ever brought up within a religion in which your salvation is based upon works, how well you've lived, how much you've done, even within Christianity, there's those who think that they're saved by their faith plus their works, that they have to do their portion. And there's this amazingly freeing thing that takes place when you realize, no, it all, it all comes through grace by faith, through believing in Christ. It's not of ourselves. We could never boast. It's a gift that comes from God. And there's something amazing about it when you realize it's all him. God took us who were strangers to the covenants and who were without hope and without God. And he has now brought us near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians 2.12 and 13. God's broken down the walls that separated Jews and Gentiles. And he's made us one in Christ. Ephesians 2.14 through 16. God gives us the ability to have boldness and access to God, Ephesians 3.12. And Christ now dwells in our hearts through faith, Ephesians 3.17. These are just some of the things in which this is what the calling means for us. Radical. Sealed with the Holy Spirit till the day of redemption. He's made it so that you get this inheritance guaranteed because His Holy Spirit takes residence in your heart. He's washed you of all your sins. Purchased you. Even before the foundations of the world, he determined that you'd be adopted into his family. Here's all the things that God has done for us. He has made it so that you are sealed. It is done. It's been determined. And it is all him that has done these things. It's free. It comes through faith in him alone. And then as you go through those same three chapters and you say, well, why did he call us? Why did these things happen? And you just go through, through 
Incredible passage after passage as far as God did this. Ephesians 1.1, because it was his will to call us. Ephesians 1.5, because it was according to the good pleasure of his will. He found delight in doing this, saving you, calling you, choosing you. Ephesians 1.6, because our salvation would be to the praise of the glory of his grace. Not because you earned it, but because it's to the praise of the glory of his grace. Ephesians 1.6. Ephesians 1.7, because it was according to the riches of his grace. Because it was according to the, his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, Ephesians 1.9. Ephesians 1.11, because it was according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1.12, and then again in verse 14, because it was to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 2.4, because of the great love with which he loved us. Ephesians 2.7, because in the ages to come, God desires to show us the exceeding riches of his grace. Ephesians 3.11, because it was according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 3.19, because he loves us with a love that passes knowledge. It is awesome to think of a sovereign God who has called us and determined that he would appoint our boundaries and our dwelling places so that we'd grope for him and find him even before the foundations of this world, he did this. Saved us. Not of works. You can never boast. It was all of God. This is what he's done. What God we serve. In soccer, in, in college, I was playing soccer on a team and, and uh, on my college team and, and one of the guys got married while he was in college. I remember asking him, so how'd you know she was the right one for you to marry? And his response was, well, I don't know, like I've thought about it a lot and I've seen other girls and I, I, I haven't seen any that are better up until this point. Now, this is a long time. It's like, like early 90s. And it stuck in my brain because I thought, oh, God, help me never to say something like that. <laughs> I don't see anybody better. And I was thinking, like, I hope you don't because you're married now. Right? He's still married. But the response was horrible to me. God doesn't call us because, well, I haven't seen anybody better yet. No spouse wants to hear that, right? But to have it be where it's, because I loved you, because I determined that this would happen, even when you were dead in your sense of trespasses, I, I made you alive. It was according to the good pleasure of my will. It, 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 there was joy in it. Because of the great love with which I loved you, 
Because I love you with a love that passes knowledge? Because of grace that's just abounds towards you? Sealed you till the day of redemption. I've done this. I love you. Always loved you. Before I even created the world. There's something amazing about the love of our God towards us that saves us when we are still dead in our sins and trespasses and he makes us alive. And so in, in summarizing the first three chapters, what does that fuel us towards? Do you hear something like that and, and it's just like, well, that's great. Or do you hear something like that and think, I love him. I'm so thankful for him. I want to live my life unto him. I want to glorify him with all that is within me. It has radically changed me because of what I was and what God has done and what he has guaranteed and the perfection in which he has loved me. It changes everything for me as far as the way in which I think about this life. Everything it changes for me. Paul here is saying, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, he is in prison at this time. I beseech you. I earnestly exhort you. Or with the entirety of my heart, I am calling you towards this thing. I beseech you. I plead with you. Walk worthy of the calling Walk in a way that would be a proper walk in response to all that we know about our calling. May this fuel us. It's not walk in a way that pleases God because if not, you're going to go to hell. It's not walk in a way that pleases God because if not, people aren't going to like you very much. He doesn't say, walk in a way of pleasing God, because you've got to figure out some kind of way to make it so that your good stuff outweighs your bad stuff in this life, or you will go to hell. So make sure that the balance is a little bit better on the good stuff. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, here's the doctrine. Here's the fuel. You didn't do anything to deserve this. You didn't do anything to merit his favor. This is who your God is. This is his sovereignty. This is what he has done. It's all a gift. You can never boast. He sealed you to the day of redemption. You are sealed. It is guaranteed. It is good. You're clothed with robes of righteousness. You have been redeemed by his blood. This is all that God has done. He's done everything. May it fuel this as far as the way in which you live and the way in which you walk and the way in which you think. May it fuel it. What fuels you? Does the fuel pump work? Please get this illustration because it's costing me $1,485. <laughs> I got to have something good come out of that fuel pump. May you get this. What is in the tank? Do you adore him? And does that adoration go to how we live in our lives? You have plans for this upcoming week. 
may include travel, may include going to work at a job in which you don't love. It may include being a parent or being a spouse or difficult relationships or difficult friendships or health issues or surgery. It may include people saying terrible things about you. It may include unfairness. So how are you going to walk this week? How are you going to use your time? How are you going to respond when trials come and difficulties come? I was blessed in that Hopefully it's okay. I didn't ask permission. But Jennifer and Joe Louisa went on a trip. Can I share that? I was so excited because they've had a busy year. They've had like two kids get married, graduations, multiple graduations, all kinds of things taking place in their life. And they had their anniversary, so they're going to Mexico and they're going to just have time, just the two of them. Wouldn't that be awesome if that could ever happen to any of the rest of us, right? Not us. So we have four kids. We don't go anywhere. And, and they're going. Their kids are growing up. The last one graduated yesterday. They went on a trip. And I was so excited for them to go. And then there was health issues that made it so that Jennifer was unable to leave the room. Then there was, she got better on that. And then there was another health issue that made it so that she could no longer leave the room. And then... She finally got to leave the room and, and then got hurt somehow going down the stairs, I think, and which required no longer being able to leave the room and ice and stuff like that. <laughs> and I saw like this awesome response as far as like, this is all that's happened, not my plan, but God's so good and he just made me just love. It was just like one of those responses where you're just like, Praise God that that didn't hurt that in her life because I I don't I would maybe have wanted to go home like it was just it was such a sweet sweet response that I saw on something that she had posted and so then her birthday came and I sent her a message happy birthday to her and Joe happy birthday and I get this picture back and I said something like I know it hasn't been going exactly the way that you wanted but happy birthday and she's like today was a doozy she had <laughs> she had run her jet ski or sea do or wave runner into a tree that like was horrific i mean like i it was like slash here and her eye like i mean it was like i look i was like oh it was one of those things where it was like no how did i mean how does that happen like and 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 she still had like such just an awesome attitude about it all love and christ Thankful for the trip, thankful for time with her husband, even though there was just minor things of like getting thrashed a lot of the time with that trip. But a sweetness of giving thanks even in the midst of all of that. 
Sometimes we don't know exactly what's around the corner, but we have to be able to respond to whatever it is that comes by our path. Do we respond in a way that's worthy of the calling in which we've been called? Do we respond in a way in which here is the doctrine, this is what God has done, so how do we respond to the way in which we walk and the hills in which we go up and the valleys in which we go down into? How do we live? How does it apply to us? Paul's saying, walk worthy. In light of these things, therefore I beseech you, walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. This doctrine ought to affect this walking. May it change us. I started thinking about how that, that walk should be changed, the way in which we would think. And I wrote down some things here. If we understand the doctrine, the doctrine ought to fuel us being in awe of him. We're not to have a small view of who God is. That doctrine ought to make us go about our daily lives just, he is awesome. I worship him. I love him. He's bigger than I could ever possibly imagine. A way of not walking worthy is having small thoughts about God. Stress about every situation because you got to figure it out all yourself because God's not in control of any of it. A big view of God is one in which you are in awe of him. A worthy walk would be one that's humble, not proud. One that's thankful. Thankfulness. Not those who fail to return to give glory to God. You remember the story of those that were healed, the lepers that were healed. And only one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face, at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? God help us not to be of the nine. Who know this doctrine of this is what God has done and don't return giving thanks. Right? It's not just, oh yeah, and thank you for saving me. It's a loud voice, glorifying God, a falling down on his face at his feet. No one here is trying to look distinguished. There's a worship that's taking place that is with all that is within him, giving thanks. Walking worthy of the calling is to praise him, to adore him, to sing praises unto him, to worship Christ with the entirety of our hearts. Walking worthy is to love him and to love your neighbor as yourself. Walking worthy is to have great faith in him. To have peace as we trust our sovereign God. To depend on him, not thinking that we can walk worthy of a calling on our own strength. But to depend on him, to be those who pray. Walking worthy is to tell others about him through the proclamation of the gospel. Walking worthy is forgiving others as we, as we have been forgiven. 
you know, the one that had been forgiven much, right? But then he wouldn't forgive his servant a little debt. In Matthew 18, verse 32, it says, Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And so when you see the doctrine, you have been forgiven. You've been forgiven of it all. How does it not fuel? Then I ought to forgive too. This little debt that someone has against me? I'll forgive that debt. Because there's a massive debt in which I have been forgiven of. It fuels the little debt. Walking worthy is to love grace and to show grace to others. Walking worthy is to desire to know him, to know his word, to desire the pure milk of the word. Psalm 19 verse 10 says, It's more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And so when you got the doctrine, God's word to you is precious. It's like gold, fine gold, like a honey and the honeycomb. To walk worthy is to desire holiness and to be like Christ. To hate sin and to desire to mortify the flesh. To put on the full armor of God. To serve others. Washing feet as Christ washed his disciples' feet. To find our joy in him. To set our affections on the things above and not on the things of this earth. And then you can just keep going, right? You can just keep going. Walking worthy is how you respond to your spouse. Walking worthy is how you respond to your kids. Walking worthy is how you trust him. Walking worthy is... is is whether you say no to substance abuse. Walking worthy is whether you say no to whether you're going to watch that or see that or participate in that. Walking worthy covers all kinds of different areas of your life. How you give, how you spend your resources, how you spend your time. God help us to have the doctrine make it so that our affections are not on the things of this earth but our affections are on the things of God and we treasure him above everything else it affects the daily living in which we live and so you could just keep adding to this list but the apostle Paul here says I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called But look at some of the things that are on the forefront of his mind as he talks about how they walk. That that walk should be with all lowliness and gentleness. A humility that is there. The doctrine of what God has done for us, what we were and what God has done, it ought to fuel humility and lowliness and gentleness with one another. Right? It ought to fuel long suffering or patience with others. Walk worthy of the calling. Be humble, be lowly, be gentle, be patient. Because God has done all of these things for you. This is what he has made you. This is what he has saved you from. So be humble. Be gentle with people. Be patient with people. Bearing with one another in love. 
taking their load and just taking it upon yourself as well and carrying that, loving people like that? See, if, if, if every price, if the price has been paid for every one of our sins and we've been given righteousness and we've been given His Holy Spirit to be our guarantee and we are free and, and forgiven and there's abounding grace and it happened and that he chose us before the foundations of the world and he loves us and this is what he's done. Brothers and sisters, it ought to affect us in the way in which we live. There shouldn't be a haughtiness about us. Pride. There shouldn't be a quick-temperedness as far as just ready to snap at any time. Someone just does the littlest thing and it's like, that's it. Can't take this anymore. Really? He loved you when you were dead in your sins and trespasses. He showed you grace when you didn't deserve any of it. His blood purchased your salvation. It all came by grace through faith. It wasn't of yourselves. It was a gift of God so you could never boast. You're not that great. Not great at all. God loved you no matter what. Therefore, don't be quick to snap at people. Don't be arrogant. It's not how our marriages should look. It's not how our friendships should look. That's not how it should look with one another. We should be bearing with one another in love. A love that's there that just says, I'll help. I'll carry it. I'll be with you. I'll minister to you. And then he goes from there to say, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The doctrine, he's made for himself a people called before the foundations of this world. There's no longer a division between Jew and Gentiles. You've become one. He's broken down that middle wall of separation. He's made you one body in Christ. You belong to one another. You've all been redeemed. You all were dead. He made all of you alive. He did it all. It all came by grace. It wasn't anything you could ever do. So, be unified. You all were dead, and he made you all alive. Be unified together. None of you are better than the other. There is no place for pride. There's no place for division. There's no place for unforgiveness. There's no place for hatred. There's no place for tempers and unwilling to repent and unwilling to care and unwilling to love. There's no place for that in light of the doctrine of the calling in which you've been called. What he has done for you and for me. It ought to produce a way in which we walk. It ought to fuel that. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you get the idea in our passage that the Apostle Paul is pleading with us towards this end. He's not saying, please just sign petitions to get me out of this prison. 
I hate it here. They're mean. I'm cold. I need food. I beseech you to bring it to me now. No, he is beseeching them. Walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called. Be humble. Be gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. And keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Consider your week. How can you walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called? Consider your relationships. How do you walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called in your relationships? Consider your attitude in the workplace, at school, in the home. Walk worthy of the calling. Walk worthy of it. Knowing that the Holy Spirit will enable you towards those things. Even as he works in your heart right now, identifying areas where there's sin. He does that, doesn't he? He shows you, and you look in the mirror, and you say, thank you, Lord. Now, I want to go and walk in a much different way by your grace. May it fuel us. May solid doctrine fuel us in the way in which we walk. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we're thankful for this passage. We're thankful for your Holy Spirit's enabling towards these things, and we are so thankful for the doctrine in which we have that shows us who we were and who you are and what you've done and what's in store for us and the grace by which it came. May that humble us and bring us to a place of being in awe and adoring you and stirring up the gifts within us and wanting to serve you and wanting to forgive and wanting to love. May it stir us to set up ourselves treasures in heaven and not treasures here on earth. May it affect us in every area of our lives. And as Paul mentions here in verses 2 and 3, Lord, please make the calling in which we have been called affect the way that we are with one another here at Reverence Bible Church. And I pray that the fruit of that would be we're all built up and you are glorified and people see you through us as we shine for you and for the gospel. And may you use that to bring people to salvation through faith in the work of Christ upon the cross alone. Now may we worship in a way that is worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.